Hi, this is Jimmy and Karen Evans with Marriage Today. This podcast is dedicated to equipping families with the teaching and tools they need to succeed. We hope you enjoy this episode and subscribe for more marriage building content. Today we're talking about real sexual intimacy and fulfillment. Welcome to the podcast, Karen. Thanks. Good to be here. We're actually talking, and I'm going to talk a lot about sex and the teaching that's coming up here in just a few minutes, but this actual teaching comes from the teaching I do on the law of partnership. And the law of partnership in Genesis chapter 2, verses 24 and 25, when God created Adam and Eve, he gave us four laws of love. And these are the bedrock. These are the foundation of our marriage. Now, we did not know anything about that, had a terrible marriage, we almost divorced. This is the first thing the Lord ever taught me about marriage uh, once our marriage began to be healed. And, and it, what it does is it just takes the mystery out of marriage. But the law of priority is, for this cause, a man will leave his father and mother. It has to be number one. The law of pursuit is cleave unto his wife, which means to pursue with all of his energy. And the third law is the law of partnership. It says they two shall become one. Mm-hmm. And so the the intimacy of marriage is so profound that the word used to describe it is one. Mm-hmm is that we have an identity, a purpose. Mm-hmm. We have a life that is commingled to the point that we that we share everything. Mm-hmm. Okay, And sexuality becomes an, an extension of that. Sexuality becomes one of the features of that. But the main thing that we're talking about is a covenant relationship. Mm-hmm. A covenant is means to cut. It's a sacrificial permanent relationship. Mm-hmm. If you have your foot out the back door and you're thinking about leaving, that's not covenant. If you're in to stay, that's covenant. And it's that covenant relationship that causes the trust mm-hmm. and the intimacy where sex flows from. Well, you know, um, you and I, we've always had a close relationship as far as honesty. You know, we've always been honest with each other. We've always told each other everything, you know, whether it's thoughts, feelings, you know, temptations. You know, we've always talked about everything. And so, you know, I knew everything about you before we got married. You knew everything about me. And um, for me personally, um, I was so shy, and I just had such a um, a heart that said, you stay pure no matter what. And so, you know, you and I are, the, you know, you're the only person I've ever been with. And, you know, but as you're in your marriage and you're, you know, you're going to be tempted. There's those temptations in the world that when you're around other people, you know, are you going to be too familiar with the opposite sex? Are you going to put yourself in a compromised situation? And subconsciously, I always knew I couldn't. I just couldn't. And and I and I can't stand dishonesty. So, you know, and I remember one time we were on a that show with Dennis Rainey and um you he was saying, you know, you were such a jerk to her. How how in the world, Karen, did you keep from, you know, not being tempted? And it was like it never ever entered my mind. It's like in my heart, my heart was given to God and was given to you. And I could not take that and separate it. And so it's like there was a fear of I would never do that to you, but also I wouldn't do it because God says. So, you know, it's just, it, it, I think you always have to protect your own heart first. That's right. And to make sure that you are doing the self-evaluations of where is my heart? You know, what are my motives? You know, what's going on inside of me that I not, I might need to double check on? Well, when Dennis asked you in that interview, Dennis said, when Jimmy was being a jerk, were you ever tempted to have an affair? And your answer was, I wouldn't let my heart go there. Mm-mm. And um, the sexuality today um, is so promiscuous. Uh, and many couples, men and women, watch porn. Mm-hmm. And many, many watch it together. 
Um, and what happens is you're inviting somebody else into the relationship. And uh, that ruins the intimacy mm-hmm. of the marriage is for two people. And your heart, it just means your heart is not turned mm-hmm. completely towards your spouse. And so the law of purity is another law. It's the, it's the fourth law of love. But the, and by the way, the law of purity says the man and his wife were both naked mm-hmm. and unashamed. The trust and exposure in marriage comes from mm-hmm. purity, not promiscuity. Mm-hmm. And so we hope this is helpful to you. Uh, don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already and leave a review. We love hearing from you. This is now Real Sexual Intimacy and Fulfillment. This message is called Real Sexual Intimacy and Fulfillment in Marriage. And so the the topic of sexual intimacy is obviously a very important topic. It is the only unique feature of marriage. Sex is the only thing that we do in marriage that we don't do with anybody else, that we shouldn't do with anybody else. You talk to other people about money, you you know, have children or, you know, that maybe you have grandparents or other people that you have your children, you know, with and you relate to. But sex is the only unique feature about marriage, and it's the covenant seal and sign of marriage. Let me, let me explain something to you. Very important. Now, our, mar- our society has completely decontextualized sex and marriage, and this was the devil's plan. God created sex for marriage. Now, marriage is a covenant, and the word covenant means to cut. You don't make a covenant, you cut a covenant. God could have made Eve out of the dust of the ground just the way he made Adam. But God cut Adam and took a rib out for covenant. Sex is the covenant seal of the marriage covenant and it's the covenant sign. All covenants have a seal and sign. The covenant seal of the new covenant is water baptism. It seals the deal. The seal means it seals the deal, okay? So you consummate, you get married, and then you consummate your marriage. You seal the deal by having sex. Well, there's also a covenant sign. And the covenant sign says, hey, I'm walking in good faith. I remember the covenant that we have. The covenant sign of the new covenant is communion. Jesus said, as often as you do this, remember me. And so we take communion to remember the covenant that we're in with Jesus. And there's a blessing. Every time we take communion, there is a huge blessing that God pours out on us through that communion. Okay, Sex, we don't just have sex with each other to have pleasure. We have sex with each other also to say, I remember. I remember that I stood at the altar with you and I vowed before God and all the witnesses to love and to cherish you as long as we both live. And so I'm not just having the sex with you for pleasure, I'm having it as a sign. God created sex between a couple to bond us together and to create very, very powerful feelings of attachment and commitment and so on and so forth. This is why the devil will do anything he can to you know, sabotage your sex life. And so as, as couples, we need to understand this is, a, this is a covenant. This is not a cheap and easy animal relationship where sex is just like it is in the world. This is a powerful spiritual relationship and sex is what consummated our relationship And sex is also something that every time we do it is an act of goodwill, is a sign of the covenant. It releases powerful blessings into our marriage. So so it's very, very important. So I want to talk about this message is called Getting Real About Sex and Marriage. I want to first of all talk about inhibitions, some some real inhibitions and misconceptions about God. So 
Genesis 2.25 has a very powerful statement um, and it says, God, man and his wife, Adam and Eve were naked without shame. Okay? Now, they weren't just physically naked, uh, they were mentally, emotionally naked. Arom is the word there for naked and it means exposed. So before the fall, Adam and Eve were able to completely expose themselves for uh, each other. And by the way, I don't believe that their nakedness was pornographic. I believe they had the glory of God on their bodies. Before they fell, I believe that there was a glory on their bodies that, that caused it not to be pornographic. But after they fell, okay, so God walks up, and this, this shows you now how the devil attacks sexuality, human sexuality, first and foremost. So after Adam and Eve fell, God walks up and Adam is hiding from God. And Adam says, what is this that you've done? And uh, Adam said, I'm afraid because I'm naked. Remember, they were, un they were naked and unafraid. Now they're naked and afraid. And God says this to Adam, who told you you were naked? Well, God never asked a question to get an answer. The devil slithered up in the form of a serpent because he's stealthy. This is what makes him so dangerous. It would be very easy to deal with the devil if he just knocked on the front door. You open the front door, he's there, red suit, pitchfork, bifurcated tail, horns. I'm Satan H. Devil, and I'd like to come in and just destroy your life. No. That'd be easy. That's not what he does. He slithers in, you don't know he's there, and he begins to whisper thoughts into your mind. And so here's what happened. So Adam's, and Adam and Eve's sin opened a door to the devil and he slithered in and said to them, you're sexually defective. And there's something wrong with your sexuality. And they began to hide themselves from God and each other. The first thing that God ever attacked or the, the, the devil ever attacked was human sexuality. And he wants to bring shame and fear. See, anytime the devil wants to control something, he brings shame and fear into our lives so he can control that thing. God doesn't use shame. And God created marriage beautiful without, or he created sex beautiful without any shame whatsoever. So let me, let me talk just a minute. Uh, when God created sex and marriage, he said it was very good and God has never changed his mind. God is not grossed out. God watches you have sex. You know that, don't you? He doesn't leave the room. And he can see in the dark. <laughs> And through flannel nightgowns. <laughs> so, let me talk about the seven purposes of sex here for just a minute. Um, because there are many different purposes for sex. Number one is reproduction. Let me, let me say something just a minute. One of the horrific things that is happening in America today is the decline in the birth rate. So any time that marriage is threatened in any society, Rome, Egypt, Samaria, all of the great societies that fell from within, any time that marriage begins to decline, the birth rate declines. Let me just say it's real easy, math. If there are no children, there is no future. And the first thing that God said to Adam and Eve was be fruitful and multiply. I wanna say something to believing couples. You need to have children. Now, if you can't have children, I understand that. But you need, this is a divine assignment by God. I'm not saying you have to have seven or 10. But I'm just saying, kids are not a burden, kids are a blessing. And they're the future. And so more and more, more couples are choosing not to have children or you know, to have fewer children. And they talk about climate change, oh, we don't wanna bring children in this world. Well, by the way, I'm kind of the end times guy too, so I do end times teaching and stuff like that. The guy has to tell you, it's gonna be okay, Jesus is coming. 
He really is. You, you can bring kids into this world. You really can. Yeah. Almost a third of the Bible is Bible prophecy. Most of it has to do with the times that we're living in. We of all people know the future and we do not have to be afraid. And so reproduction is a big reason why we have sex. Not every time, obviously, or you'd have a whole bunch of kids. But anyway, okay. number two is comfort. It comfort you, you comfort each other. The, the, the hormones and the chemicals are powerful. It's very, very comforting. If you're dealing with anxiety, you need to have more sex. Sensual, number three, sensual enjoyment and pleasure. Without sex and fun, marriage is a business relationship. Need to be having sex and having fun. Sensual enjoyment. Number four, self-esteem and confidence. If you don't initiate sex with your spouse, it will affect their self-esteem. And part of pursuing your spouse is letting them know that you're attracted to them. But if you never initiate sex, it will communicate to them that you're not attracted to them and it will affect their self-esteem. And I say this sometimes, and I mean this. I take personal responsibility for Karen Evans' self-esteem. If she has any self-esteem issues, it's not because of me, because I think she's the most gorgeous person in the world. And so we need to communicate to our spouse that we're attracted to them, and sex is how we do that, part of how we do that. Number five is bonding. It brings closeness. It bonds us together. You saw what the chemicals do. They actually cause us mentally and emotionally and physically to bond with each other. Number six is intimate knowledge. The Bible says that Adam knew Eve and they had a son. There's something that you know about a person that you've had sex with that you don't know about anybody else. There's an intimate knowledge that comes from it that's very important. Number seven is protection from outside temptation, is vasopressin. And by the way, this is a very important scripture, 1 Corinthians 7, 5. So the apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 7, 5 says this, when you get married, you don't have authority over your own body anymore, but your spouse does, so that you can get your sexual needs met. The, the, when I talk about the law of partnership, which is the third law in my book, The Four Laws of Love, when you get married, the law of partnership is so profound, they, they too shall become one flesh, is that you lose the right over your own body sexually. Now this is not a right for abuse. It's not a license for abuse. You can't abuse your spouse but it's giving your spouse conjugal rights. See, when you get married, you swear fidelity. I can't shop in any other stores. I can't meet my own needs. If I could meet my own needs, I wouldn't get married. And so I have sworn fidelity to your store. And if there's a clothes sign on it for a long time, I'm sunk. And so I've just gotta know, if I'm gonna swear fidelity to your store for the rest of my life, that there's not a lock on the door that I can push that door open when I need to. Not, not in an aggressive way, not in an appropriate way, but we share ownership of each other's body. Another way to say it is this, is this is your body. It's here for your pleasure. And I want to serve you. The, the secret of sexual fulfillment is a servant spirit. When two servants get into bed to have sex, they come out happy because they serve each other. But if you're selfish, you're not gonna be sexually fulfilled. So let me talk about the parameters that God has put on sex. Uh, the parameters, that you know, the devil wants you to believe that God is a big fuddy-duddy and he doesn't want you to have fun. But the parameters that God has put on sex is to protect us and keep us from harming ourselves. 
Now the instruction manual in your glove box of your car, I don't think you've ever taken the instruction manual out and flipped through it and said, well, they'll tell me to change the oil and they tell me to do this. They tell me, I don't believe that. You throw it out the window. <laughs> they just don't want me to have any fun in this car. No, no, they, they built the car. You know, they, they know how that car is supposed to run. And if you'll do what the, glove, the, the owner's manual says, you'll have, a, you'll have a lot better experience. The Bible is the owner's manual for humans. And our creator is trying to tell us through his word what's going to bless us and what's going to hurt us. So here's what God says. No adultery, fornication, which means sex outside of marriage, incest, homosexuality, bestiality, rape, pornography, or fantasy lust. That's, that's what it says. Okay. So when it says that, it's, it's just putting a fence on the yard. It's a big yard. There are many different ways that we can have sex, but there's a fence. Why, why is there a fence around the yard? Because there are monsters. Look at our society right now. If you take the fence down, they're monsters. They're going to eat you. They're look, look at what's happening in people's lives today. So we put a fence around the yard, but we say, well, how big is the yard? Well, so as a you know, counselor for many years and as a pastor, people ask questions about different things. Um, sex toys, oral sex, vibrators, things like that. They say, is it okay to use those kind of things? Well, rather than just directly answering those questions, here are the questions that you need to ask. First of all, if something is forbidden in the Bible, don't do it. And if you do it, you know, repent and God will forgive you. Uh, is it clearly forbidden in the Bible? That's the first question. If it is, don't do it. Uh, do we both agree on it? Is, this, is, is it mutually agreed upon? And one person may like it better than the other, but do you agree on it? You shouldn't force something on your spouse, especially sin. Is it physically unsafe or harmful? Obviously, you wouldn't want to do something that is physically unsafe. Does it harm our relationship? That's another question. What's going to happen to our relationship as a result of this? Okay, so let's just say it's not clearly forbidden in the Bible. Uh, we both agree on it. It's not physically unsafe, and it doesn't harm our relationship. I would do it if I were you. <laughs> I'd do it four or five times just to make sure you like it. What I'm basically saying is get your Batman suit out and have a big time. <laughs> See, again, the, the, concept, the concept that God is grossed out by sex or that somehow you, you, know, you can't have fun. God, God made our bodies where we don't have to have intercourse to have fun having sex. There are many ways that you can pleasure each other in marriage, and you do need to be, there needs to be some creativity there. So it's not just missionary sex intercourse that God designed. He designed our bodies to where you know, we, can have, we can have all kinds of fun without having intercourse or having intercourse or whatever. So it's, it's, a big, it's a big yard is what I'm trying to say. It's a big yard. I had a couple that came in to see me one day for counseling. It was the saddest thing in the world. And I'd known them for a long time. I'd pastored them for a long time. Sweet couple. And they came in to see me and they wouldn't look at me and they both sat down you know, in my office and they wouldn't, they wouldn't make eye contact. They went like this. Well, Pastor Jimmy, there's something we need to talk to you about. And I said, well, what's, what's going on? So they, they stammered around forever. Oh, yeah. well, here's the bottom line of what it took forever for them to say. She couldn't have intercourse. She had a physical problem. She couldn't have intercourse. But they were having all kinds of fun sex, just having fun sex and doing stuff like I just talked about there. And, uh, and they wouldn't look at me. They looked down like this. And, you know, and basically, they were just having a great time. They just felt really guilty about it. And so they finally agreed to come in and talk to me and kind of let me mediate it once and for all. And so they got finished talking. They, they weren't doing anything against the Bible, nothing against the Bible. They were just having fun. And I said, look, y'all look at me. They wouldn't look at me. I said, look at me, look, look at me. 
And, the, and I looked at him and I said, do you know how proud I am of you? He went, what? I said, you are being such a wonderful, wonderful husband to your wife. She can't have intercourse and you're, you're not shaming her or judging her or going somewhere else. You're, you're loving your wife in spite of it. And I looked at her and I said, do you know how proud I am of you? And she said, what? And I said, you are being such a champ with your husband. that You've got a physical problem, but you're taking care of your husband. And they left my office with their shoulders back. I'm sure they went home and had sex. They probably did several things they've been thinking about but didn't want to do yet, you know. So, you know, the Bible's a really thick book. You know why the Bible's a thick book? Because when God has to say something, something to say, he says it. And when the Bible doesn't say something, it's saying something. So don't let the devil put shame on you. Don't let him lead you to believe that there's something wrong with sex. It is a beautiful, wonderful gift that God gave us. And God loves to see his children enjoying his creation and sex is his creation. Let me talk about temptations for just a minute uh, that are very real in our society today. The devil is very real and there's temptations out there. And let me talk for just a minute about pornography, both for men and women, because we both, men and women both have their, their forms of temptation. Pornography is very uh, you know, prevalent today in our society, it just is. Here's the problem with pornography, is that it's not entertainment, it's sex education. And what pornography does that is so dangerous for a man is it de-emotionalizes and hypersexualizes women. And it tries to get you to believe that that's normal. It's, it's normal for a woman just to have animal type of sex, void of her emotions, and just have all the sex all the time. And that's just not true. A normal woman, if you married a normal woman, there's a, there was a book one time called Sex Begins at the Breakfast Table. If you married a normal woman, uh, when you wake up in the morning, if she's gonna have sex later in the day, you have to pastor her all day long. You, you have to care about the washer being broken. You have to care about Johnny's grades. You have to care about her mother's broken finger. In fact, you'll probably need to call her mother and pray for her. <laughs> or you'll pay for it later. See, a normal, a normal woman, her sexuality is just completely connected to her emotions. And it's just not real. Pornography is just not real. It's a lie. And I know many men who have divorced their wives or put all kinds of pressure on their wives trying to get them to do things they saw in pornography when they're married to a wonderful, precious woman who's just normal. Let me, let me say another thing, too. The guys, you want to think it through. Do you really want a woman like the women in pornography that you really could never leave the house and believe that she was going to be faithful by the time you got home? You, you really want to be married to somebody like that? No, you want a, you want a, a pure woman. And if you married a, a normal woman, they're very, they're emotional. They are sexual, but they're put in touch with sex through their emotions. And a loving man who makes them feel secure and pastors them will get the reward of good sex. Let me talk about female sex for just a minute, or female pornography for just a minute, because women, you know, women do watch pornography some, uh, but you know, romance novels uh, and soap operas and some movies that are on, uh, they have the same effect as male pornography. And let me, let me explain this to you. They hyper-emotionalize and desexualize men. So women's form of pornography is less sexual. It's more, it's more emotional. 
So you have these soap operas where you have these abnormal men who like to stay inside with women all day and talk. (laughs) And they always smell good. You know, that's not normal. Harvey comes in at night, he smells, he's tired. You know? He's a normal man. And you're just saying, well, he doesn't look like Lance. See, the worst thing on earth is comparison. When you begin to compare your spouse with anyone else, it's just not right. And so, you know, 300 years ago, you were out in a pasture somewhere, lived on a farm. You didn't have the ability constantly, all day long, to be barraged with images of somebody else. You couldn't go on the internet and just pick out the person you like best and compare your spouse to them. And that was a blessing, that was better. Today, we have, to, we have to be careful of what we allow into our minds and into our hearts. Listen, you take the person that God gave you and you be thankful for that person. You steward that person before God. But don't compare them to anybody else. Let me say just another couple of things and we're gonna do our vow renewal. So, so let me talk about expectations of what's normal. First of all, every couple has their own unique style of sex. And if you're happy, that's great. It, it doesn't matter how much you're having sex. If you're happy with what you're doing, just don't, don't compare yourself to anybody else. Research, the Journal of the American Medical Association found that most couples who think they're sexually dysfunctional are not. They're just comparing themselves to somebody else. They're not actually dysfunctional. And by the way, the average couple has sex uh, 1.5 two times a week. You say, what does that .5 look like? Well, I don't know. (laughs) I need to call that couple that I counseled. (laughs) They probably know. A couple of times a week, you know, one or two times a week. But you may have sex more than that. You know, that's great, good for you. Uh, So let let me say just a minute. So let's say that one of you, because some women are more sexual than their husbands now. So let's just say one of you wants sex 10 times a month, okay, great. And let's say that you're married to someone who wants sex two times a month. So how much do you have sex? Well, I'm about to give you the answer here. Okay, Uh, not two. Because if you only have sex two times a month, it means the person who wants less sex is controlling the relationship. Maybe not 10. Now, if you did have sex 10 times a month, you only want it two times a month, you're, you're a great servant. You really are. Good for you. You need to get a medal or something. <laughs> but if one person wants sex 10 times and the other person wants it two times, ah, four, five, six times, that means there's compromise on both sides. That means there's goodwill on both sides. Sex is a precious gift that God gave us to bond our relationship, and it is the covenant seal and sign of marriage, it is sacred, it is sacred. And when I read you the powerful things that happen when you're having sex, that's exactly why Satan wants to come between you so that he can take something very, very precious away from you. And you may have had previous abuse. I heard one time someone say that 40, 40 to 50% of women uh, had been previously abused. I think that's accurate and in some way. And it might have scarred you, it might have done something to you. My encouragement to you, if you're dealing with physical problems, erectile dysfunction, vaginal dryness, 
previous abuse, guilt from an abortion, guilt from you know, an affair or something, go get help. It's not just affecting you, it's affecting your spouse. Go get help, go get help. And you can get help, go, go to a doctor if you need to go to a doctor. But just say to your spouse, I'm not gonna sexually strand you because I'm having a problem. You're important enough to me that I'm gonna go get the help that I need so that we can have everything that we need to have in our marriage. Hey, this is Brent Evans with Exo Marriage, and I wanna thank you for listening to the Marriage Today podcast. We believe your marriage has a 100% chance of success if you do it God's way. If you enjoyed today's teaching and want to keep learning, hey, subscribe to the Marriage Today podcast and take some time to leave us a review. Your reviews help us spread the word and can encourage someone else in need. For more great marriage content, check out exomarriage.com where you can see all of our marriage building resources, articles, and live events.